Hello, I'm Sasha, and it's Q&A Thursday. Today, we're revisiting the suicide issue with John Maracle, Mohawk musician and leader of Broken Walls, a band dedicated to doing exactly that, tearing down the walls of separation and bitterness within the First Nations community and the wider Canadian public. I started our conversation by asking John if he sees anything different about the way the First Nations story is being treated this time around. Uh, yeah, there's some really different things. Um, one of the things that's really happening is the media has got a hold of it this time in a way that they're reporting it so that it's not uh, painting the picture of the Native Council being bad people and misuse of funds, but they're actually talking about the real issues of the poverty and the pain and the sorrow and the suffering of the people. Yeah, I, um, I've i seen this come come and go from, from the media and from the top of the mind of the public. Um, how do you stay so optimistic? Well, I guess it's because it can only get better. First, we've got God on our side, but I think the big the big thing is is that we have these glimmers of hope now. You know, people only respond when the when the worst case things happen. I realize that bringing in 28,000 refugees from Syria is an important and a humane thing to do. But we have people in this country that are that are the first nations of this country that have lived in probably worse poverty than most of those people that are coming over. They're leaving because it's war-torn, but they probably lived reasonable lives up until they had to flee the wars. But our people have been living in this abject poverty and, and living in places without a vision for so long that they've lost hope. And that's why we're seeing these mass suicide attempts and, and things because it's just more than they can take now. In my preparation for speaking to you and speaking to others that I've spoken to, um, you know, I've had many private conversations, and you know, this is something that I hear that the natives should just get over it and assimilate, um, give up. I mean, John Chrétien said it. Why don't they just move? Why yeah. are why is that not an option? I I go to Pekanchkum all the time and. Um, they love their community. They love where they are. They love who they are. They just don't like the circumstance they're in, and they don't know what to do. Everything about things in the north is backwards. Like the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, do, because of equal service, sells alcohol up there for the same price that we buy it down here. But if you go up there to buy a quart of milk, it's two to three times the amount. So to feed your children and to feed your baby is more expensive than to go out and get a bottle of whiskey. Oh. I was approached by an organization to to uh, be a representative of it to raise funds for missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a national, international missions organization wanted Broken Walls to do that. And I said, I would be honored to do that if the missions that it, it is used for goes to the native people of Canada. And they said, oh, no, we can't do that because it costs way too much to do outreach into the Native community in Canada. Mm-hmm. The the 
pathways have been made to get things to overseas, but the pathways have been ignored that need to be used to help our people in the North. It's going to take an outreach of not just the government, not just the church, but the people as well. We've got to say, okay, it's time we, we fix this. Because, you know, you just look at, again, I don't, I'm not <clears throat> angry about the refugees. I mean, God bless them. They're coming in there. They're going to have a new way of life. I know that they're going to all prosper because they've had the hardest times and they're going to embrace this country and they're going to become prosperous people. Will they help the first peoples of the land? Because everybody does what they do at our expense. From the outside looking in, I, I think the exasperation is from individual Canadian to Canadian. I know, I hear, well, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do. Um, and there's also a feeling of do they even want our help? Have There's, a, I guess, a feeling that Canadians, the general Canadian public, Canadian government has no more credibility left with First Nations communities. How would you respond to those kind of sentiments? Well, um, that's a really good question. I would respond to that by saying um, there are those of us who have stood up for years and years and years fighting for this to become a visible thing to the country, for people to have better understanding, be better educated of the suffering, and have a better chance to make a good decision that, that, that has honor involved in it, to do what's right by the people. I believe that as communication gets out, honest communication, like with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and those things where the uh, Prime Minister said they're going to honor the, uh, the suggestions of the, of the commission and, and stuff, that, I cried when I heard that. Mm-hmm. I sat here and cried. I mean, literally, um, Sasha, I cry every day at some point in the day. And, you know, call it what you will, call it weak, call it what you will. But I cry every day because of news that I hear of something that's going on, you know, that that needs to be addressed in a good way. Something made you cry today? Yeah. I was sitting in my dentist chair, and the dentist asked me about what I was up to, and I told him I'm leaving for New Mexico tomorrow to go to the Muscalero Apache Reservation to do suicide prevention programs because they have issues there. And then uh, he asked me if I knew about Attawapiskat, which I've, you know, been actively working on since I got home and have been fundraising because I figure just for me to take me and my five to six members of my team, it's going to cost around $6,000. And that doesn't give us any pay. It just gives us the adequate amount for us to actually pull it off. Yeah. And so he left the room and he came back in and two minutes later and he handed me a check for $1,000 to help me to go and I just sat and cried like a baby and I looked at him and I said you really do care and he said you know why I care because now I understand I was I was just like overwhelmed with emotion now it's happening again but like this is the first one of the first times that I've ever realized that Canada is actually beginning to listen and they're, they're beginning to care to have Someone who's just a local professional just walk up to me and hand that to me, said, said to me, there's hope. There's hope. Where do you see God moving right now? Do you see this as one of those moments that 
God is is turning for good, or are you hopeful that it is? No, I believe it is, and I am. I will take no other course. I am moving into this as though this is the beginning of the change. I'm not accepting that it's going to just quell back down and be quiet because I'm going to start screaming very loud, and I'm going to speak in off the rooftops to keep this in the forefront until people understand the sorrow, the pain that's going on, you know, here in our country. There's been a request for me to speak to the uh, the Aboriginal Committee, uh, the federal government, to be able to just address them in regards to my feelings about about what you and I are talking about. And so there's been a federal member of parliament that has put in a requisition for me to be able to address the Aboriginal Committee. Um. I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, one of them is about your your music. Um, I know that you're. You, I've heard some of your stuff. I uh, I think it's called Ride the Wind. I heard a, a track. It's been in, actually in my head since I heard it. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I found, I've, I noticed, and I heard that um, you're moving sort of worship. You're doing a sort of more culturally relevant worship. Um, you know, with native sounds and, you know, the calling and all that kind of stuff, but I've heard that there's been some pushback to that from people who have learned to learned uh, worship in sort of the more white European kind of way. Um, so I'm just wondering if you could speak to that, just enlighten me a little bit about uh, your version of worship, or as I guess as it's turning out. And what's happening? Well, it was a paradigm for me in 1995 when I was at the Sacred Assembly um, I was asked to come and just kind of be the token Indian and sing Amazing Grace in Mohawk at this, at the evening assembly where there's probably six to eight hundred people. And um, as this one man was speaking, John Sanford was speaking, and he was talking about talking about the walls of bitterness that have been built up in the hearts of indigenous people around the world because of the, how colonialism has came in and swept across their lands and with disregard to their cultural ways and disregard to their emotions and their personal lives and their, you know, families and stuff like that. And I sat there and he said, these walls of bitterness that are in the indigenous people of the world must be broken. And it was at that moment that I conceived the words broken walls. And I wrote a song on the spot. And this song, I played a drum with it and I sang this song and then uh, two and a half hours of of forgiveness came over the whole group and then people started asking one another for forgiveness in the public setting. It was one of the most incredible moments in my life. And then the, the, the odd part of that is this, is that I was booked in a native Northern community the following week because I was, you know, I'm a traveling musician. And so the village that I was going to, I got to the village and, and when I, I got, I felt that at that gathering, God had given me this message that I needed to go and break the walls and I needed to begin to play the drums of my people and start doing my music from a cultural perspective. And so um, I thought, oh boy, that means so much to be able to, to worship God on the drum and uh, with the flute and, and singing with, with our style of singing and stuff. And so I was like, all I was, I was raptured in that. I just loved the feeling of it. And so I thought, this is going to be great. All Native people are going to just love this. It's going to take us to a new place. And they were used to me. They loved 
me because I could do Hill songs and Maranatha and all the all that stuff plus songs I was writing. But when but when I got up on the platform instead with my with my uh, deerskin hand drum and I struck the drum, they basically put me out of the community and let me have no more to do in the community because their their thinking was so religious towards the drum and towards their native heritage that they thought that they had to circumcise themselves from their Cree heritage and everything in order to know Jesus. Wow. Well, I have, um, you know, to that point, I, I, there's something that I have to ask you, and you'll forgive me, but I do have to, I feel like I'm compelled to ask this question. Uh, what would you say to someone, and I have heard this, that would say that drum circles are demonic, and you can have all the culture you want, but you're still going to hell? <laughs> oh, boy. I talk, talk about religious ignorance. Let me ask you this question. Do you go to a church where they play drums? I do. Yeah, and what kind of drums do they play? Uh, I guess, you know, the standard kind of drum Yam- Yamahas or... Yeah. yeah. So, do you feel uh, de- demons dancing and do you feel demonic things happening when those drums are being played? No, I certainly don't. They're made in Japan. Not by Christians. So, what is it that... What is it that gives someone the audacity to say that a drum that I make in my shop out of a moose hide that we killed and we ate, and we take that hide and we stretch it over, and then we begin to worship God with all of our heart. When King David led the Ark of the Covenant coming back from Obed-Edom's house, as the Ark of the Covenant, as he looked out the window and he saw it coming back to the people of Israel, you know what he did? You remember what he did? He ran out to meet the presence of God. He threw off his kingly and royal robes, and he danced in his underwear. He danced in his ephod. And his wife, with full of judgment, Michael looking down from the window, looked down and despised him in her heart because he was making himself so humble and so low before the people. Fact is, is that David's heart was right before God. And you know, if you want to beat two rocks together and sing a song of honor to God, God will listen. God will hear that, and he will respect that, because that is worship to his ears. It's a sweet-smelling fragrance when someone does it with the right heart. The instrument is not the Christian. The instrument is not evil or good. What makes the instrument evil or good is the heart of the person playing it. Jesus gave us authority to tread over serpents and scorpions, and whatever we drink that is poisonous will not harm us. Well, wouldn't we have the same authority to take whatever instrument made by whoever, take authority over that instrument, and play it for the right reasons? Before I was a Christian, I played a guitar. I sang songs like, you know, I'm on the highway to hell. I sang songs like that with that guitar. When I became a Christian, I never even considered the fact that my guitar was evil because I played evil songs on it. I took that guitar and I wrote songs for Jesus and brought people to the Lord. So that way of thinking must be broken. Yeah. That way of thinking is, is archaic, it's religious, and anybody that thinks that way is is got blinders on. Did that answer that question? <laughs> yes, it did. Thank you so much.
Thank you. That was John Maracle, suicide prevention educator, musician, and leader of Broken Walls. We reached him on his cell phone in Ontario. Well, that's it for Q&A Thursday this week. Thank you for listening. As always, feel free to contact me on the host page or at comments at contactswithlorna.com. We've got a special guest next week. But for now, I'm Sasha, and this has been Q&A Thursday.